You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Big Monday test for Syracuse Orange and Virginia doing battle tonight. It's going to be a good one out in Charlottesville. Tyler Rocky and Tim Leonard with you here on the Locked On Syracuse podcast, only place to get daily SU pods. Check us out on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. All right, Tim, we've seen a ranked win. We've seen a couple of solid wins. We've seen blowout wins. But this is the one where you can really earn your keep and earn your status in the country. Syracuse, Virginia, we know the history. You can point to Bayheim's second thousandth win. You can point to the Elite Eight game a couple of years ago in that miraculous Final Four run. And even the bank shot that Buddy Bayheim had last season. But this is a Syracuse team that has a chance to pick up a big-time win against Virginia, and really prove to the country that they belong in the conversation of one of the best teams in the ACC right now. This would make Syracuse nationally relevant. It would put them maybe on the precipice of the top 25, you know, depending on how they would do later on in the week against NC State, but we're, we're probably getting ahead of ourselves if we're talking about that anyway. But this is a Virginia team. They're 6-0 and in the ACC. They're the only remaining unbeaten team in conference play so far they've actually won 14 straight acc games dating back to last year remarkable because remember they finished very strong to close out last year like when they played syracuse last year it was a rough spot for the for the who's but they finished out that season about as strong as anyone in the conference i mean i'm looking through their game log They, they closed out the year win at home against louisville win at home against duke both of those teams were top 10 in the country in ken palm so this was a team that was really cruising at the end of the year. Yeah, they're ninth in Ken Palm now. And, I mean, this is a Virginia team that really, when you compare it to last year's team, it was a down year, even though they closed so strong and finished pretty high in the overall ACC standings. It was a down year for Virginia standards and Tony Bennett standards. And the difference in this year's Virginia team and last year's Virginia team is they can score the basketball this year. They're 11th in Ken Palm in offense right now. They're averaging 73 points a game, which is the most in the Tony Bennett era. And they can shoot the basketball, too. They're 22nd in the nation in three-point field goal percentage, shooting at 39% from deep. So you add Sam Hauser to this team, Jay Huff shooting it well from deep. You add Murphy, the Rice transfer, who's shooting right around 50% from deep, as we'll hear some of these numbers from Anthony DeBundo a little bit later on in the show. But... Yeah, this is a Virginia team that can shoot the basketball. And last year, that was their huge Achilles heel, if you remember those games against Syracuse. Even that first game, remember, was 48-34 to in the Dome to start the season last year. Right. Yeah, no, it was crazy how things changed from the first meeting to the second meeting. But that's what getting a little experience under your belt does. And I'm glad you brought up the three-point shooting because that's going to be one of the intriguing things to watch in this game. We know Syracuse, they've done a really good job at holding opponents from behind the arc. They are one of the best. They're actually the best in the conference right now in three-point defense. They're holding in-conference play their ACC opponents to 25%. Meanwhile, Virginia in conference play is shooting almost, or they are shooting 40%, over 40%, closer to 41%. So I'm going to be intrigued to see how that lines up because they have snipers from every corner of the gym. And if Syracuse is out of whack offensively, and this is a Virginia team, we know they can move the ball. They can whip that ball around the the perimeter and and set some things up. They're not going to turn the ball over a whole heck of a lot either. So 
this is a, a very good test for Syracuse. And I think especially in the three-point department, we're going to see what this team's made of because we've kind of brought up, I want to see what Syracuse looks like against a really physical team. I want to see what they look like against a team that has multiple shooters out there at all times. And I think this is going to be one of the really, really fun things to watch. Yeah, I would say this Virginia team, Virginia Tech had multiple shooters out there at different times during that game. And they definitely had the capability to knock down shots. They probably didn't shoot to the level that they normally do anyways, but also with Syracuse's defense shutting them down. The thing was, Syracuse could kind of sell out on the three-point shot, I guess, and if you can do that in a 2-3 zone against Virginia Tech. Virginia is pretty much Virginia Tech in terms of three-point shooting, maybe even a little bit better. And then they have size down low between Jay Huff and a couple of their youngsters that will play maybe some minutes sparingly off the bench, like Kafaro has played some minutes for them recently. He played, I think, eight minutes against... Yeah, and if against... Caden Shedrick is healthy, too, that's another one to watch out for. Yeah, which I'm not sure if he... I know he's missed the last four games. Yeah, he's missed and... the last couple, so yeah. we'll see. And then I, I but... think uh, Statman has also been out for them because of some uh, cardiac issues. I don't think it's related to COVID-19, I read, but he has been out, and he really wasn't that great for them last year anyway. But they have a lot of the pieces they had last year, whether it's uh, Casey Morsell, Thomas Woldetensai, in terms of a couple shooters right there for you. And then Kihei Clark is back, and you brought up the turnovers. Kihei Clark, really last year was terrible in terms of turning the ball over. He averaged three and a half turnovers per game, and it was kind of like he had to be the main perimeter guy for them, and he was sort of miscasted in that way. This year, he's not handling the ball quite as much. Reese Beekman actually replaced him in the starting lineup early on in the year because he was really struggling. And Reese Beekman is just a new freshman for them. That is, he screams classic UVA player. Like, we're going to be saying his name a lot on this podcast for the next three or four years because he'll be there for a while and he'll be making winning plays for them. But Kihei hasn't had to be kind of the only perimeter guy this year, and he's only averaging one turnover a game. So that's why they're taking much better care of the ball. Yeah, I look at his last six games, he's coughed it up eight times. We've seen games where Alan Griffin coughs it up eight times, it feels like, in a singular game. So when I look at Virginia versus the Virginia Tech team that Syracuse saw a couple nights ago, I really look at the the three-point shooting as being the major difference because you bring up, okay, Virginia Tech had a couple guys who could really knock down, but Virginia's going to have at least three guys on the floor pretty much at all times that are shooting at least 40% from three. Yeah. And to me, that worries me a lot because I know that the Syracuse defense is good at defending the three, but we've also seen it look pretty bad at times. And when you've got a veteran point guard, and not just that, but a lot of guys who have played against this zone before too. When I look at Wola Tensai, Marcel, Kihei Clark, Jay Huff, those are some of the guys that I'm a little concerned about because they've seen the zone before. They, they've had success against the zone, like especially from a three-point standpoint. You think about the game when the, the last time Syracuse went to the tournament, the year that Virginia ended up winning it all. I mean, that was a, a three-point yeah, exhibition. I don't want to be I mean, that was a reminded shooting about that. contest <laughs> that at, at the Dome. I think they set the record for most three-pointers made in, in a game at the Dome, if I'm remembering correctly, or yeah. something close to that, but we know that this team can shoot and they know how to move this zone. Yeah, and I don't think their offense is quite as good as that team. It's amazing. That's the last national title team. It feels impossible that that is still the case because it was a couple years ago, but no tournament last year. So they are still the defending national champs if you want to look at it that way. It's not as good, but it's it's probably the second best offense Tony Bennett has had. And Sam Hauser, he's averaging 14 points a game 
about eight rebounds a game, and he's shooting just right around 41% from three. But that's not an outlier. He was a 44% career three-point shooter at Marquette before he transferred over. He's a guy that really could spell problems in the zone because you can flash him high post. You can kind of run him underneath and, and maybe throw a lob to him, or you can hit him in the corner for one of those threes because he's such a good shooter. He's got a great stroke. And, and he can create his own shot, Yeah, too. I mean, he's good off the dribble as well, so that's something that you get him at that high post and he can maybe pump fake you and take you to the cup. Yeah, that's the difference. They have other perimeter options besides Kihei Clark. And those guys that they were using a lot last year, Casey Morsell, I wouldn't say he's taken a sophomore leap, but he's just gotten better by being around the program and learning the system a little bit more. So they've really figured things out on offense. It is still worth noting, though, I know they're all the way up to ninth on Ken Palm, and really their most convincing win was at Clemson, which was their only quad one win of the season, and they won it by 35 points. It was 85-50, to 50, and at the time, Clemson was number 12 in the country. Clemson has since lost to Florida State and slipped to 52 on Kempom, though. So for Virginia, as we look at their schedule right now, they don't have a win over a top 50 team on Kempom. This is, by nature, would be their best win of the season against Syracuse because Syracuse is 35 on Kempom as of us recording this. They got crushed by Gonzaga. They lost a bad game to San Francisco early in the year. They're definitely playing like the best team in the ACC, but they're beatable. I mean, they haven't necessarily ran through the ACC schedule yet. They've gotten some of the Notre Dames and Wake Forest and some of those matchups that have favored them. And then they squeaked one out against Georgia. Yeah, Tech they were down in that game. They, they had zero business winning that game. And, and then they just kind of held strong and really just out talented them at the end. Yeah. So they're beatable. That That's all I'm saying is it's a very good team. It's the best team in the ACC this year, but I don't think that is quite on par with what is the best team in the ACC in most years. All right, if you're into gambling, guys, or you're thinking about getting into it, we have a great deal for you at betonline.ag, which is a great new sports book, proud sponsor of the Lockdown Podcast Network. If you go today, sign up for a free account at betonline.ag. Just put that in your browser. Then you use our promo code LOCKEDON, which is all one word, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus, which is great savings. Basically, if you put down $200 into your account, you get $100 to free play. Whatever you put down, 50% of it on top is free money to spend on some games. Maybe you want to pick the Q's game tonight that we're previewing here against Virginia. We'll get into the spread a little bit later on the show and make our picks and lay out the case why. If you want to lay on Q's, maybe you think they're riding some momentum, you can set up your free account today. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action, and don't forget that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit at betonline.ag. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, I've got some numbers that are really, really, I would say lean Syracuse in this regard. I'm sure people would love to hear these. So 
I'm looking at a couple of different statistics here that I think make Syracuse somewhat of a bad matchup, actually, for Virginia. So obviously, I bring up the three-point shooting because Virginia, we know, can stroke it. Syracuse has obviously been very good against the three for the most part this season. But here's a couple that, that I think can really turn the tide for the Orange, all right? So I look at the, the rebounding stuff, and we know Virginia is not a team that likes to really go after offensive rebounds. They'd rather get back into their defensive set. So offensive rebounding really should not be an issue against the Syracuse defense. The Orange actually could control the board battle. We saw them do it against Virginia Tech. Now, Virginia is a little bit bigger, but they're not going to have as many bodies in the paint trying to get those second opportunities. The second one I want to bring up is their free throws. They don't shoot a lot of free throws. In fact, they shoot the fewest in the ACC. So what does that tell me? That tells me that this Syracuse team, we know that they can get in foul trouble at times. Quincy Garrier, Marek Dolajai. I don't see either of them getting in foul trouble in this game just because we have seen that Virginia is not a team that draws a lot of fouls. And also, you got to remember the pace stuff too. This Virginia team really likes to slow things down on both ends of the ball. So that's naturally going to lead to fewer possessions and fewer opportunities to foul. So I really like Syracuse's prospects in those regards. I think that can really help them out because if you're going to get 38 to 40 minutes of Quincy, 38 to 40 minutes of Marek, that's, as long as you can keep your studs out there on the floor, you're, you're going to be in a good spot. Yeah, they're going to need them. I would say they'll lose the rebounding battle, and we'll actually probably get into this in the prop shop. I think it's one of our prop shop bets, so we can kind of table that, but the, the contrast in style is always a talking point when these two teams meet, and especially in recent years, because you look at the average possession length on Ken Palm, Virginia is the slowest team in the country tempo-wise. They are 357 out of 357. They've been that way for really the past three or four years, and Syracuse is 27th in the country in average possession length right now on offense. So they want to play quick. Virginia wants to slow you down, and really what Virginia wants to do is bait each team into shooting threes, which is similar to Syracuse. If all things are going right in the zone and it's tough to get that high post pass in, you know, steadily, then that's the idea with the 2-3 zone, is to make you kind of milk the clock and then shoot some threes that are contested shots from deep. Virginia is great at defending at the rim because Jay Huff is one of the best shot blockers in the country. So they do give up some three-point shots and they give up a lot of attempts but it's almost misleading because that's kind of what they want and the reason why teams shoot a lot of threes against them and end up scoring a lot of their points against Virginia from beyond the arc is because they kind of bait you into shooting threes and bait you into milking down the clock and getting down to five four seconds on the shot clock and then you have to have a guy grab it out by half court and throw one off the backboard. Oh boy, this is going to be an Alan Griffin bad shot fest, isn't it? <laughs> That's what I hear. That's what I just heard you say. Well, I was referring it. to the buddy shot there. Like that, <laughs> that maybe we'll need a couple more of those. But no, I do think Syracuse, and on paper, it's a bad matchup for the zone because they can shoot the three. They can, they have a couple high post guys that could scare you. And they have some size down low where I do think Tony Bennett will say, all right, guys, let's crash the boards a little bit more in this game. And they really out-rebounded them last time they played at JPJ last year in that game. They won in overtime somehow. But it, it, there is a track record here of Syracuse being decently successful against Virginia. Tony Bennett's 7-3 and three against Bayheim, And you mentioned the three losses earlier. They really, considering Virginia's been ranked probably every time they played Syracuse in ACC play, and since Bennett has been there, it seems like they've been ranked. Maybe not 
Yeah, I think except that, that probably that last meeting. No, because it was guess. a ranked win. I remember because uh, was it a ranked win? Okay. Yeah, because Virginia Tech this past week was the first ranked win for Syracuse since that game. So over a year, because that was early January last year. So, I mean, they've probably been ranked every time. They've probably been favored pretty much every time against Syracuse. I'd maybe. imagine so. Yeah. Yeah, and they're seven and three overall. Virginia is so Syracuse has been able to. I mean, they've been. They've actually used the press to their advantage a lot and sped up Virginia in the past. That's what helped the Elite Eight comeback. That's what helped that 1,000 with an asterisk victory the following year in the Dome. So maybe they'll do a little bit of that, although we haven't really seen the press a lot recently. And I I mean, Beheim's talked about we can't press a pair of pants earlier this year just because they have six-man rotation at the moment, too. And I, I'm not looking for a big press fest here, either. I don't want to do that against a guy like Kihei Clark, who is sure-handed with the basketball and has, honestly, he he has seen the nightmares. He has seen the collapses. So I, I don't want to be pressing up against Kihei Clark. Uh, in terms of the pace, and, and then we'll get into a couple matchups we want to watch out for in this game and, of course, Debunda's digits. But in terms of the pace, when you talk about a Virginia team that wants to slow you down and a Syracuse team that wants to run you, run you, run you, I think that actually favors Virginia a lot especially given the the rebounding stuff. Now, if it is kind of like you're alluding to where Virginia says, oh, well, we might be able to get more second chance opportunities and we're going to try to exploit that in this game, then you can throw whatever I'm about to say out the window. But if they are really going for just that one great shot each time down the floor and we're going to run back on defense, they're going to be in their defensive sets every single time. And it's tough to get a, a good early shot against this pack line defense so when I look at Virginia they're going to be back on defense they're going to try and do their best to not let Syracuse get out and run and I think largely they're probably going to be successful with it yeah my matchup to watch in this game would be Kihei Clark defensively against Joe Girard I just would imagine that he will be in his shorts I guess is the expression and he'll pick him up probably 94 feet and now he's doing that a little bit more this year because they have Reese Beekman as a backup for him too so how Joe can handle the pressure. And he played pretty well against Kihei in Virginia last year. I think he had 18 points in the game uh, last year, the one that they won in JPJ. And I'm thinking too, like this could be a game where we see Kadari get in rather early because there are going to need someone to bring the ball up. And, and we know Joe, he's not the greatest, not the surest of hands with the, with the basketball when he's putting it on the deck. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Kadari get a little bit of early run in this game. My matchup that I'm looking for in this one is how Jay Huff handles the Syracuse Bigs. I should say that the other way around. How the Syracuse Bigs handle Jay Huff. Because there's a couple of things that I find interesting. First of all, we know he's a super, super efficient guy. Like We talk all the time about the offensive rating. He is just knocking on the door of Quincy Garrier. He is 23rd in the country. Garrier is 20th in the country. So he's just a shade behind him in that regard. They use him a lot. And then on top of that, he's a pretty good rebounder on both sides of the basketball. But here's the number I'm looking for. It's the block rate that Jay Huff is is rejecting shots at. He is fifth best in the country in block rate among all players in the entire U.S. of A. And... Gary is a guy, we've seen him dunk the ball, but he relies a lot on his layups. I want to see if Quincy gets a couple shots rejected, if he can just get that ball right back and go right back up strong with it. 
because he can create a, a decent amount of points that way, and I don't want him to get discouraged early on by trying to attack down low and being aggressive, because who knows, maybe he can draw some some foul trouble out of Jay Huff, and then you're taking a massive shot blocker out of there, and then I think Quincy and Marek could eat all night long. So much of their success last game was Quincy and Marek playing at a different level of aggressiveness, running the offense through them. I'm worried that Virginia is going to minimize that a little bit because they do bait you into threes, and it's so tough to get past their guys off the dribble. No doubt. All right, we've given you some numbers. You've probably looked some numbers up yourselves, but we've got DeBundo's digits. Time to get our analytics report from our guy from the Daily Orange, Anthony DeBundo. The numbers you need to know. Anthony DeBundo breaks down the biggest stats for this week's Syracuse matchup. DeBundo's digits. On the Lockdown Syracuse podcast. After a down year in 2019-20 following its national championship, Virginia is back in the national title and ACC championship mix yet again this season. The Cavaliers rank 9th nationally in Ken Palm efficiency, boast a league's best record at 6-0, and rank number 13 in the AP Top 25. The Cavaliers' offense is centered around two players, point guard Kihei Clark and forward Jay Huff. Clark started in the national championship as a freshman and has improved his offensive game in the years since. While he's always been solid defensively, he's making 55.6 of his two-point attempts and is top 10 in the conference in assist rate despite standing at 5'9". And because of Virginia's extremely slow tempo and offensive pace, Huff doesn't quite put up the counting stats to put him in the National Player of the Year conversation, but he's one of the most efficient players in the country. He ranks 22nd nationally in offensive rating. He makes 71% of his twos and 44% of his threes. He's one of the nation's best shot blockers and defensive rebounders on the inside, but he can stretch the SU zone from both beyond the arc, and I'm sure we'll be seeing him in the high post. And wing Trey Murphy transferred from Rice to Virginia following the 2020 season. He's made an immediate impact in the starting rotation for Tony Bennett. The Cavaliers forward has the seventh highest offensive rating in the NCAA per Ken Palm and has made 50.9% of his three-point attempts. That's more than half. His effective field goal percentage is 70.1%, ranking 10th best in the nation. The Syracuse forwards, especially Quincy Guerrier and Alan Griffin, will need to know where Murphy is at all times to prevent him from heating up from three. Murphy and Huff could take turns playing out of the high post and looking to dish out to one another for threes, giving their jump shooting prowess. It will be a tough challenge for the recently improved Syracuse defense. And just a quick note, Virginia averages 59.7 possessions per game. That's 357th or last in the NCAA. No team in Division I basketball plays slower than the Hoos, and this is true for the third consecutive season. They force opponents to burn the shot clock, they're patient offensively, and their possessions average 19.9 seconds on offense. Ken Palm gives Virginia a 72% chance to beat the Orange with a projected score of 68-61. Bart Torvik also sees it at 68-61, giving the Hoos a 77% chance to win. And for the gambling contingent of this podcast, the Orange are 6-7 and seven against the spread this year, and they've gone over 7 of their 13 games. And one more quick note, after another efficient offensive performance on Saturday, Quincy Guerrier is up to 19th nationally in Ken Palm offensive efficiency. Syracuse has not had a player finish the season in the top 20 ever in the Ken Palm era since 2002. Very impressive numbers from the sophomore forward, and they will need him to be big again on Monday night if they want back-to-back -back wins against top 25 opponents.
Our thanks, as always, to Anthony DeBundo. Check out his work at The Daily Orange and also find him on Twitter at Anthony DeBundo. How about that? He he loves the prop shop. We're about to do the prop shop in a little bit, but he, he always tries to give you some tips, I feel like. I feel like he anticipates the prop shop sometimes, so um, he, he's always feeding you some tips in that regard. All right. Get more out of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today. It's a daily podcast that breaks down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. That's right. You might hear Tim and I on there from time to time. So start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcast. All right, coming up next, we are going to get into the prop shop. Tim and I will make our picks for the the Syracuse-Virginia game and also give you some of our hypothetical props. That is coming up next. Before we get into the prop shop picks, I want to remind you guys about rockauto.com, which is a great place to upgrade and repair your car today. It is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They've got everything you could possibly want from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. It's a super easy interface to use. I've used it a couple times now. The parts come, whatever you need, super quickly, and you can get it delivered directly to your door in a safe and orderly manner right now. Best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Again, put Locked On and their How Did You Hear About Us box, and they know we sent you to rockauto.com, which has amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. All right, time for our favorite part of the week. It is the Prop Shop. We're going to go through our hypothetical picks for the week. All right, just a a quick recap of last week. Tim, you did it again. You're you're just running through the competition right now. You are 39-24 and on the season. You put together a four and two week last week. I'm just stringing together three and threes, it feels like, yeah. every single week. So I'm not going to make up a ton of ground on you if I keep doing that. But here we go. Let's get into this week. We start with a little opposition one. We usually don't do much of this, but we have to start with Jay Huff. Will he go over or under? The total is set of 14 and a half points in this one. I'm going to take the over. He had 16 and 10 against Cuse last year in the second game. And I think he's a much better player since then. He's really been one of the better players in the country so far. I was taking a look at his splits, and that's like a shooting splits. And often you'll hear the 40-50-90 club as like the ultimate benchmark to get to. Right. Right now he is 44% from three, 62% from the field, and 86% from the line. So he's And he's seven foot one. Yeah. <laughs> you don't hear this out of no. seven foot one, guys. I mean, he's borderline 45, 60. 80, I mean, 86, so he's getting close to 90, and that's kind of crazy how good he's shooting the free throws because he's normally like a 65% foul shooter, but he's had a great year, so I'll take the over, unfortunately, for him. I'm with you. I'm going to go with the over here. I just think that his three-point shot worries me a lot. How is Syracuse going to defend his three? I I think that's going to be a problem, and he could get to the foul line a little bit. I know I mentioned that there's... I don't think either the bigs are going to get into a ton of foul trouble for Syracuse, but... There, he, I would imagine he's going to shoot six to eight free throws in this game. Yeah. I, I just, I, I kind of see that being the, the way it'll play out. All right. Next up, over or under a plus two Virginia rebounding margin. Will Syracuse get out rebounded by two or more or fewer? The rebound margin this year, Virginia is plus four. Cuse is right at zero rebound margin, which is pretty good for the two, three zone standards. I'm going to say Virginia is slightly over the two, though. 
just because I do think they will put more of an emphasis on crashing the glass in this game. I'm actually going to take Syracuse to to cover that margin that, that you're setting there for us, Tim. And, and it's because the place that the orange gets crushed is on the offensive boards. And I just don't think that Virginia is a team that's very interested in that. So I am going to take the Syracuse to cover that plus two. Next up, Kadari Richmond. We're setting a thick line here. 22 and a half minutes for Kadari in this game. I'll take the under. I'm going to try and reverse jinx it. I, I hope he plays more. <laughs> And I, I'm probably due for a so down week in the prop speak it shop. out of existence, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, it'd be great if he played more than 22. He played 15 last game, but there was some foul trouble there. So I'll take the under. Probably a little too high, but I hope he plays right around that range. Yeah, this is a, this is an interesting one because I could see him playing like 25-27. I, I have a tough time taking that number, though. Yeah. So I am going to go under the, the 22 and a half. It, it is a big line. But I think we do need to set it accordingly. So let's go with that. We're going to take the under 22 and a half. All right. Who's going to lead the orange in scoring in this game? Will it be Quincy at plus 190? Alan Griffin at plus 210? Buddy plus 220? Gerard plus 300? Marek plus 400? Or Kadari plus 575? So actually, Alan Griffin, I did some research. He has led the team in scoring five games this season. Quincy four games. Buddy has led the team three times. And he tied once with Gerard, so I gave him that tie. And then Gerard two times where he has tied once. That's been the four. I'm going to take Buddy. He was the only guy that was off last game, so I just think law of averages, he bounces back. He had that good game against Virginia last year, and you can shoot threes against them, and I feel like they'll try and get him involved early and often in this game. You know, I'm going to go with Griffin. I was very tempted to take Gerard in this one, but he is going to probably be drawing that Kihei Clark matchup more than others. So I'm going to take Alan Griffin in this game because he's kind of, I feel like he's going to be viewed as the third option in this game in terms of who Virginia is going to mark. I think it's going to be 1A, 1B, Buddy and Gerard, and then Alan Griffin's probably going to be that third option. And listen, Virginia's got great defenders all around, but I think, I feel like Griffin's going to see Big Monday, maybe get a little trigger happy at times. And so he, he might fall into a little bit of a trap here, but who knows? Sometimes that stuff works out for him. So I'm going to take Alan Griffin at plus 210. Um, next up, we've got our betting edge segment brought to you by betonline.ag. They've got this number at Virginia being favored by six and a half. Six and a half, you're spreading this one. Do you like the orange to cover as a dog? It's a really good line. I would say Virginia wins the game by about six points. I'm going to take Cuse to cover. I think they're riding some momentum. Virginia doesn't really blow teams out anyway. My worry is that Syracuse just kind of fades down the stretch, kind of like UNC in the Rutgers games where they might get a little bit tired in this game. I'll take Cuse to cover, but I do think Virginia's going to win this game and probably win it in typical Virginia fashion where they're up about 5-7 to seven most of the game, but really in total control because that's just how they operate. You know, yeah, I, I'm going to take Syracuse to cover, but I'm looking right now. I'm not seeing a money line quite yet on Syracuse. I wouldn't be shy to maybe sprinkle a little bit. Like, sure. you can see, I mean, they have figured something out. No no doubt. They have figured something out with the rotations. You don't just go out and blow out two ACC teams in a row. You just don't. And, and they look like a well-oiled machine right now. They found out the rotations. They've unlocked the the total uh, uh, package of Kadari Richmond and have him playing his best basketball of the year. So I'm going to take Syracuse to cover. 
Don't be afraid to throw a little bit on the money line once you see it on betonline.ag. And then the total in this game is being set at 131.5. Where do you lean on that? I'll go slightly over. I just heard DeBundo say that overs have been more common in DeBundo's digits. So I'll, I'll ride with that. Yeah, what is it, 7 of 13? Yeah, something like that. So slightly more common. I, I don't really have a great feel for the over-under on this one, but I, I'll go slightly over because it is so low against Virginia. You know, you brought up the interesting point that this Virginia team, they, they've scored in the 80s a, a fair amount this season, especially by their standards. So I'm actually I'm going to go with the, the over, and I think it could go over kind of comfortably as well because we're looking at a couple of three-point shooting teams, and I think that you might be able to see Syracuse knock down some threes of their own, while also Virginia could have some success from deep as well because not only can they shoot the ball, but they've got a, a bunch of potent guys all around, and that's something I don't think Syracuse has really seen so far this season. So give me the over in this matchup. All right, if you got if you like any of those bets or if you just want to fade Tim and I, I wouldn't fade Tim right now. <laughs> I, I, I just wouldn't. I mean, the, the kid's got the hot hand, so... Don't fade Tim, maybe take Tim's picks, but you can get all those wagers in on betonline.ag. All right, that's going to do it for us here on this Virginia preview. We will be back with you tomorrow. We're going to recap the whole show, and we're also going to get you ready for the rest of the Syracuse week as well. So for Tim, I'm Tyler. We will talk to you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow.